Welcome, listeners, to Season 2, Episode 10 of Drinking and Screaming, a queer and feminist podcast about horror movies and cocktails. I'm Shar. And I'm Kelly. And this week's movie brings you our bunny-rific Easter event. Ugh, gross. (laughs) Easter Bunny Kill Kill from 2006. (laughs) But first, we have an inspired cocktail creation, and I mean creation, that we made to match the mood and themes of the movie. So we created this gory dessert to be something you'd be proud to serve your family on Easter. Pretty good, right? That's a good, yeah, that's that's what this is. It's gory, it's a dessert, and it's Easterific. Nah. <laughs> this episode will contain discussion on sexualized violence, misogyny, and insensitivity to mental illness. So if that's something that you need to not hear right now during these trying times, totally okay. Especially on Jesus's birthday. So I made this lovely dessert. Uh-huh. You can hear the spoons clanking and clanking. We're eating it right now. This is the ASMR channel. <laughs> it's so good. So this is the first thing that's not a liquid that we drink. Yes, although liquid is involved. And it is turning into a liquid since it is a hot spring day here in Vancouver, British Columbia. And it is a frozen dessert. Okay, well, Kelly and I were arguing before about the alcoholic content of this dessert because when he first tried it, they said that it was very, very strong. And I was like, what? It's not that strong. And then I just ate a blackberry and it was very, very strong. That blackberry's got a lot of crevices for which to hold alcohol in it. <laughs> um, but so this is called Granny's Snack. And I don't want to give away why it's called that. We'll explain in the future. But just remember what it's called. Granny's Snack. I love that we are eating this food whilst we record. So you're getting that real like lip smack. <laughs> I've got food in my mouth, podcasting style, real professionalism. Mm -hmm. But it is, uh, do you want to mention the the sponsors for this one? Because why are we doing an ice cream? Because we got Ernest Ice Cream, one of our sponsors. They're a Vancouver um, ice cream, I was going to say distillery, ice cream joint. They make handcrafted ice cream. I'll talk about it more later when we do our ad break. But they um, were going to sponsor us in a season one, and I dropped the ball. So really, this should be their second season sponsoring, but I never picked up the original shipment. Sad face. It's really good. A little behind the scenes, we we do not drink our sponsored liquor outside of the podcast, Mm -hmm. but once in a while, I'll open up that freezer and just take a tiny little scoop of this ice cream. (laughs) I mean, we had to try it once so that we knew what it tasted like without the rest of our concoction. Yes. So why don't you tell us about Ernest Ice Cream's Sons of Vancouver Amaretto Ice Cream? Uh, one, it tastes like Sons of Vancouver Amaretto, which is good. It's actually funny because we have two sponsors, but they're combined into one ice cream. Mm -hmm. It's interesting. It's really good. I mean, Amaretto's, Amaretto? Amaretto's pretty sweet. So I think that makes for a good, like, creamy dessert. Mm Mm-hmm. And then it's like a better vanilla, really. Yeah, it's very pl- like it's like a nice base ice cream. It's like an adult vanilla because it's alcoholic. <laughs> Heck yeah. And Although also not, more sophisticated. I'm not sure how that works with ice cream. Is it still alcoholic if it has alcohol in it? I have no clue. It does literally say that one of the ingredients is amaretto. So I guess. But that doesn't answer my question of are the alcoholic effects still there? It's alcohol. You can freeze alcohol and have it still be alcoholic. Yeah. You can't like really you boil c- it. Yeah. When you cook alcohol, it the actual alcohol evaporates. When you make beer butt chicken. Mm-hmm. But I think it's got alcohol in it. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we should have probably asked our sponsor, but 
you know, this is what we're learning as we go on the podcast. It's delicious. It has mm-hmm. still has that delicious quality to it. Yes. So, but we haven't actually said what this is. So it's the Ernest Ice Creams SOV Amaretto as the base, a giant scoop of it. And then I made amaretto berries. Ooh. Like soaked in actual Sons of Vancouver amaretto just to add that extra liquor. Extra amaretto. Which is to say that Sons of Vancouver wanted to sponsor us for season two, but during the negotiations, I'll say. Some some, some sort of pandemic happened recently that has affected our ability to pick up products from our sponsors. And they're so busy providing Vancouver's uh, frontliners of healthcare workers and hospital staff and all of that jazz with their own hand sanitizer that they cannot technically sponsor us, although they did say that they wanted to as soon as this was over. So we just threw this in. Yeah. Because hell yeah, you're our sponsor regardless. <laughs> we love you guys. We still had some from season one. So technically you still sponsored us. And this is delicious. It's also interesting, like so many... Vancouver distilleries are just converting their their resources to making hand sanitizer, which begs the question, how close was the alcohol to hand sanitizer already? (laughs) I'm very interested to see how many degrees of separation there are between the things that we're consuming and the things that we put on our hands. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's heroic. But also, I need to investigate this. It also just makes me feel so happy that three of our sponsors are all like fighting so hard against the COVID-19 pandemic. Yeah, it's a good show of uh, support because you're not making money in that time. Yeah. Yeah, it's very good. They're just donating all their shit. And I'm like, damn, I love you. And if they told me that I could drink the hand sanitizer safely. Hey. I might. That is not good. Don't do that. Just start licking the cloth that they sent out. (laughs) So this week we watched Easter Bunny Kill Kill, which premiered on August 4th, 2006. It's written and directed by Chad Farron. And it stars Timothy Muscatel as awful boyfriend Remington, Ricardo Gray as the son Nicholas, and Charlotte. Charlotte Marie as Mindy, the nurse slash mother. Is that what she's listed as in the IMDb is nurse slash mother? No, I'm just saying like that's. Oh, okay. So that the audience knows. You know, she's a frontliner. You know that she's still going to work during this pandemic yeah. in 2006. Mm-hmm. Also, I didn't know when this movie came out. And then when you said 2006, everything made sense. It's like it's like the final piece of the puzzle just locking in. in there. Yeah, because we have to tell you, listener, this is an awful movie. Shit's bad. (laughs) This is the worst movie we've ever watched for the podcast. (laughs) If you've made it to this point in the podcast, do not watch this movie. Mm -hmm. If you're thinking to yourself, oh, they released a new episode called Easter Bunny Kill Kill. Dang, I should go check out this movie before I listen to the podcast. Do not. Save yourself. We did it for you. It's interesting that we had the Rosemary's Ladies on last week because this is their wheelhouse. This would have been perfect to have them here for. Yeah. I'm curious now if they plan on doing this awful movie. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. So um, this is also not that well known of a film. So we have a synopsis that we got from an anonymous user on IMDb. They didn't want to be known for writing the synopsis of this movie. (laughs) Remington, a murderous grifter, cons his way into a mother's heart, putting on a fatherly facade to her cherished son, Nicholas. But the second she leaves for work, a torrent of abuse rains upon the gentle boy. 
Remington heads out for some hookers and invites his child molester drug dealer buddy over to abuse Nicholas. In the meantime, the only comfort the boy gets is in confiding with his new pet bunny. Debauchery is at hand and Nicholas is nowhere to be found, but someone wearing the mask of the beloved Holiday Hopper shows up ready to deliver a blood splattering night of unspeakable carnage to everyone in the house that's there to harm the boy. That's really all you need to know. Yeah. We've been trying to be more detailed in our synopsis, but really it's just there are hookers there. There's the abusive father figure. There's a guy that's apparently there to repair their house, but is now robbing it, maybe? with He's there with his friend and wife? Yep. And that's about it. And then everyone dies. It's, ugh. And then we should probably say what the end is. Uh, yeah, so it turns out that the murderer was the mom all along. Which was very surprising. And the bunny was given to Nicholas by a homeless gentleman who also turned out to be his father. <gasps> That's about it. That was like the last 10 minutes of the movie. Not even five and minutes. They are a happy family of murderers who are killing shitty men, I think. And let's just clean up all these bodies and start a family over. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I don't I just, like this is genuinely the lowest quality worst movie we've done on the podcast so far. Yep. So like there's not there's not a lot we can go on other than it, this is like a jumping point for a conversation we're about to have for the next 40 minutes. So hit me with that trailer audio. No, I don't want to. <laughs> Start us off, my love. Today is Easter. And in this house, seven people will die at the hands of a masked maniac. Meet Nicholas. He's a very special boy. And this his favorite time of year. He's just wild about Easter. But something sinister is lurking just around the corner. Coming soon. Coming soon? To a TV back near ro- you. Back room of your best friend near you. Oh God, that, that suggested film that's next on the YouTube is more terrifying than this film was. Hell yeah. <laughs> So there's two good things about that trailer. One, it did my favorite thing that horror film trailers do. Which is add something a little to give you the vibe, but doesn't show. No, no, oh. fuck that. This movie, the trailer <laughs> composition was awful. No, it did that thing where every 10 seconds it's like Easter Bunny, kill, kill, kill. But they didn't have someone saying it, which is the worst. Oh. Like if they had someone being like Easter Bunny. Yes, it's Nicholas's favorite time of the year. Easter Bunny, kill, kill, kill. But he's alone with his new stepdad, Easter Bunny, kill, kill, kill. That would have been better. But it was just the frame stops and then it says that. And then the second thing is it played the best song in the entire movie, which was like a synth track that sounded like it was out of Hotline Miami a little bit. Yeah, I said, oh, that reminds me of Halloween. Which oh is- no, not the piano one. The, oh. the one where the uh, Brandy's or Brody or Brady. Fuck, I don't know what her name was. Is in the bathroom <laughs> and then it plays like the synthy music. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, the Halloween one was bad. It was like someone just pressed two notes on their keyboard over and over again. Yeah. But I think that's in my head, honestly, it's kind of sad, but I didn't really connect that they were basically they're doing what Terror Train did of like, let's take Halloween, but not even they did it badly. But yeah. the idea of like, oh, Halloween is a movie that people are always going to watch on October 31st. 
So Terror Train did that for New Year's. So Easter Bunny Kill Kill is like, oh, let's do that for Easter. Every time Jesus wakes up again, we're going to play Easter Bunny Kill Kill Kill. But it's awful. Yeah. like, <laughs> And it's not the format of Halloween at all. And we, we Although gave- it is a slasher. It is a slasher. We gave the disclaimer about the insensitivity towards mental disability, and they dropped the R-bomb like four times during the trailer alone. Yeah. Which they say like 25 times in the movie. And it's not even used as something that's makes that identifies the villains as being villains because the mom says it too. She says it as like a that's not what he is kind of thing. Which yeah, is, but you wouldn't say that. You would just say, like, that's not right or whatever. Yes. You wouldn't use the word. Unless you're in the heat of the moment when Remington Steele is calling your son that. <laughs> but uh, it didn't. It wasn't. So fuck this movie. We'll talk about it in a sec. Uh, <laughs> I watched a um, tutorial on acting. That's right. <laughs> Ooh, tell me more. Because <laughs> in the quarantine, I got time. Um, and I learned the difference between size and intensity. <gasps> Tell me. And size is literally the volume of your acting or the amount you move your body while you act. And then intensity is the actual emotion you put behind what you're delivering. And like using the R word never is OK in a movie. But if you're ever going to use it, like I think as a maximum size thing, like it should mm-hmm. be or no, wait, maximum intensity or size. Intensity. Are they yelling it or is it to show the stakes? Intensity, I think, yeah. is when it's good. When you like, it's like you've gone, you've reached your limit. It shows that the character has nowhere left to go except to smash that in case of slur uh, window and rip one out. Yeah. And they just were like, no, you know what? Let's just say it all the time because we're evil. 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 I love That was my favorite part of this movie was... As we were watching it, Kelly just every time something awful happened, turned to me and said, because he's evil. Do you get it? He's evil. In regards to the stepdad. Oh, God, it was so bad. But do you have we have to try and and form some thoughts Ah. on this film because that's what we do here. So tell me, my love. What thoughts do you have on Easter Bunny Kill Kill? So I, well, this isn't one of my thoughts, but I was very excited for this movie because as we were planning this season, you're like, oh, we're going to have an episode around Easter time. What movie should we do? So I literally looked up Easter horror movies. Yep. And like, God bless them. Their SEO got them to the top of the list. Because when I looked for Easter horror movie, Easter Bunny Kill Kill was right up on top there. And I'm like, that sounds dumb. Let's watch that. (laughs) And it was dumb. Oh, God, it was bad. So my first thought is uh, this is one of those movies that actually inspires me to make my own horror movie. Well, that's a positive thought. Yeah. But other than like Friday the 13th and Paranormal Activity where they're like, oh, it's kind of like, you know, you can make it look easy. Just throw a camera up, kind of do some improv acting. Like bad shit happens. This one makes it look incredibly difficult to make a horror movie. This one makes me feel that acting is the most challenging thing in the world and cinematography is only done by Einsteins and Elon Musks. Oh, man. But I want to make a horror movie to prove them wrong. (laughs) (laughs) I want to make a horror movie that's better than Easter Bunny Kill, Kill, Kill. (laughs) Just or no, Kill, Kill. Sorry. Kill, Kill, Kill is probably the the sequel. The sequel, of course. (laughs) But I want to like. Oh, God. We mentioned this while we were watching for. I want to say 15 minutes that maybe the writing wasn't bad. It was the acting. Yeah. Which yeah. I do still think that is true. Maybe not that the writing wasn't bad, but that the actors 
were very unexperienced. You definitely could have delivered some of those bad lines better. And it wouldn't like ring in your ears when you hear it. Yeah, but it's like... I feel like if you just had them improv, it would have been better. But then also, it kind of feels like they did that for a lot of the scenes. It also feels bad (laughs) in the fact that they didn't know their lines. So they like there was a take where he said Brunny instead of Bunny and they kept that in. So (laughs) I guess that was the best take they could get. Uh, But yeah, if anything, that this movie just made me feel like I can prove them wrong and prove that it's not that hard to make a a horror movie, even (laughs) if it's campy. I wish I had more time on my hands. I said I had time, but I don't have that much. We would just make a shitty horror movie. Yeah. Well, because your job hasn't been affected by this, so you're still working full time. Yeah. Not much has changed in Kelly's world. Part of me is like, well, I wish I got fired so that I could get money, but then I wouldn't have enough money. And we would die. So I need to work. But I also want to make bad horror movies in our apartment together. We just need to become successful. (laughs) We could dedicate a solid weekend. We'll make a trailer. We'll make a bad horror movie trailer. And then send it out to people to fund it. (laughs) As a um, proof? No, what's it called when you... It's like a pilot, but it's the word of the thing that you send out to people to watch and try to get money. Demo? Yeah, maybe. Anyways. I can't think of the word that demo is in regards to when you're doing films yeah like proof makes me isn't the right bother word me yeah anyways eh. comment comment and let us know what the real answer is uh so yeah this that's my first point this movie is bad and makes me want to show that you can make a bad campy horror movie that a isn't extremely problematic yes that b has decent campy acting and c improv <laughs> no writing <laughs> my thought too Again, slightly positive is that the kills were okay? Question marks? Yeah. They didn't have like prosthetic budget, I'm assuming. They had some, <laughs> like there was a lot of the things being drilled into or sawed upon yep. were like fake flesh. That's true. With blood in it. But most notably, my favorite was the one where one of the hookers is sitting on a couch. And the killer comes up behind her and puts like a plastic tarp on her head. Yes. There were many plastic tarps there are in this film. a lot of plastic tarps in this movie for some reason. And then she like gets stabbed in the side of the neck and the plastic tarp just fills with blood. Oh, it was gross. You're right. It was good. It was good. It was very good for this very bad movie. Yeah. And like even so much so that like the framing of that scene was good that like it has to be stolen. That has to be from something else. <laughs> like, that can't be their their OC of murder. Well, I don't talk about the cinematography at all, do you? No, because it's terrible. Exactly. I need you to tell them how terrible it is. Like, my mom and I <laughs> used to make family films. Not like running in the park and, like, hanging out. Like, we used to write scripts and do dumb Christmas films together. And that had better cinematography than this. <laughs> and it was a tripod. They did... My least favorite thing, I think, in regards to cinematography was the like active zoom, like unsteady zooms. Oh, yeah. It was like a it was like a handy cam that they then pressed the zoom button on their 2006 video camera. And then it just went in and the quality degraded as it went in. (laughs) It was so bad. It was. Yeah. So, yeah, Uh, that's it. There were some (laughs) other good kills, Um, like when the pederast gets killed. Like the drill is like next to his face, you can see. Yeah. But they put enough blood that it kind of looks like that it's coming out. Mm -hmm. And then his weird talons 
that he had. That was so gross. When he like claws into the ground as he's getting drilled, the, the, his like pointy nails shatter. Oh, that was awful to see. It was... Not because it looked very gory, but just the imagining my own nails doing that was not good. I feel like that aspect of his character was entirely designed for that shot mm. of his nails shattering. That character was a bad character. He was a bad character. Also like an ineffective uh, bad guy in that not only did he have uh, MS, but he like seemed to be extremely out of breath to the point where like... The moment he attacked Nicholas, Nicholas could have like slowly sauntered away and gotten away from him. Yeah. And I think they made it so that it seemed scary. Like he was this like slow walking, like sweaty, out of breath uh, guy that was walking down the hallway. But it just made him seem so weak. Yeah, exactly. Like you can have a killer like breathing deeply like they have asthma and like slowly walking and it'd be scary. But yeah. dude was just like how to like he seemed like he was going to sit down in the hallway and take a break before he got to the door. And that whole moment was so uncomfortable. Oh, yeah. That's a solid 10 minutes of just let's fast forward this movie. Yeah, I could have gone without it. I get that like people are there and they're doing bad things, but. Just the even the way it was all handled, it was nothing is shown and nothing actually happens to Nicholas. No. But the stepdad invites this man to come and he has this like treasure trove of trinkets that he's gonna be like. A like needle using. and pills and a dildo and like gas mask or something like that. It was upsetting. And it was uncomfortable to a degree that it was no longer scary and like you're you're so pulled out of it that you're like, the director approved this? This is this is the what they wanted, right? It's, yeah. Yeah. Even, they could have just opened the box and not shown anything. Yeah, and done, like, done the Pulp yeah. Fiction thing. Even to the point when like Remington, in response to everything that this character was saying that he was going to do to Nicholas, Remington's like, you know what? Don't please stop. Just don't tell me. Just yeah. Like he was uncomfortable and it almost felt like the writer was like, I know this is bad. So I'm going to have one of my characters say, stop talking about it, even though I'm going to keep talking about it. And he was a producer, Remington. Yeah. Oh, was he? Yeah. Oof, go oof, oof. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. Uh, my final thought is... Your final thought? I didn't write a lot of thoughts for this movie. But it's not your final, final thought. No, my my final... Th <laughs> my final mid-thought. The thought but in the in the thought section of our podcast. Yes. Uh, so there's these two characters, Jorge and Lupe, who I believe are hired to renovate their house yeah because it seemed like basically the set is covered in that like construction plastic wrap that is like billowing in the wind type not the type that's like vacuum sealed to the yeah balls. it's like it's like painters plastic but then it seemed like it was like a throwaway reason of having it there was maybe because this was a friend's house or whatever, like there was going to be gore. So they needed to have plastic everywhere. Yeah, there was a lot of blood splatter that like potentially they were just trying to protect the walls and stuff. But they made it a plot point that these two characters, Jorge and Lupe, were there to renovate the house i guess and the house did look like there were walls ripped down so potentially yeah. this was just a house that was being renovated so they decided to add that as a plot point yeah i don't know um <laughs> but so i just wanted to bring up this point because char and i have gone through an adventure thinking about these characters and a specific scene that they're introduced in oh god so after nicholas gets the bunny <laughs> from a homeless gentleman he goes back to his room and he starts playing with the bunny. And the entire time in the background, there's some of that plastic set up 
on his back wall and you can clearly see two humans behind it. And I was like, is that crew? Yeah. Like, it, did they think that it wouldn't show up on camera? Like maybe they had a special effect coming up that they needed the crew back there. Or I, in my naivete 10 minutes into this movie, was like, <laughs> are they doing some sort of like Italian surrealist composition to this movie? Because that's cool. I'm into that. The original Suspiria had that kind of vibe to it where it was okay. a lot of like... People in the background that aren't actually part of the narrative, but are just there to like make your mind all fucked up. Right. And I thought, hell, if, if, if crappy world films, that's the name of their production company, was doing this Italian surrealist composition, I'm all for it. But then, then Nicholas says a fuck and his mom's like, where'd you learn that? And he's like, Jorge. And then Jorge and Lupe open up the plastic and start saying like, we didn't tell him that we were to blah, 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 blah. And they speak a lot of Spanish which we do not speak. No, and there were no subtitles. So a lot of that also carries through for the rest of the film. There's a lot of Spanish and we had no idea what was going on. And the entire movie, because Jorge and Lupe are real characters. They have a run in with Remington. Their whole plot is that they are breaking into the house to either steal or protect Nicholas. We weren't sure because again, no subtitles. Yep. Um, And then they get murdered. But the entire movie, we're trying to decide if like, them being in Nicholas's room was that in his head. Yeah. Were we just like, cause he kind of freaks out when they pop out and we were like, is this just him like imagining Jorge and Lupe in the background or were they hiding for some reason? Yeah. And like, I'm now on the fence of they were really there and hiding in his room cause they liked hanging out with him, I guess, or they were being creepy. Really unclear. I feel like that part for me, I'm, ima- I'm assuming that he was remembering that moment and they were saving money by having them that like artistic choice of them being there because you still see him as they're yelling. Uh, you see Nicholas also mouthing the words to yeah. his mom. So I think that that part of it was in his head, but they are. Then we meet the real Jorge and Lupe. It's extraordinarily unclear. Yeah, it's who knows. Because, like, you could almost argue that the plastic was used as some sort of, like, dreamlike divide between the real world and the imaginary Lupe and Jorge world. Mm-hmm. But then the rest of the set has plastic on it. So, no, it's been established yeah. that it's a main part of this set. So it's going to forever remain a mystery because nobody should watch this movie and try to help us decipher this this strange scene. Yeah. Uh, and that's it. That's all I want to <laughs> bring up about this movie. <laughs> take a moment to talk about our sponsors and socials. This episode of Drinking and Screaming is brought to you by Ernest Ice Cream and Sons of Vancouver Distilling, who provided the ice cream and amaretto used in today's alcoholic dessert. Sons of Vancouver has wanted to be a sponsor for the season again, but then COVID-19 happened and things got a little crazy. They've been saving... They've been busy saving Vancouver with their own hand sanitizer that they're making by hand. And we had a bit of their amaretto left from last season. So we're proud to give them a shout out today. Plus, their amaretto is literally inside our other sponsor, (laughs) Ernest Ice Cream. So they made uh, a flavor called Sons of Vancouver's Amaretto, which um, we were lucky enough to get for this episode. Their stores are currently closed, but they've launched online ordering for contactless curbside pickup from their Francis Street location. So you can go there to pick up amazing ice cream. 
They uh, use reusable glass jars that are super cool. I'm sure Kelly is going to definitely want to keep all of ours. I'll keep my lavender distilled vodka in it. I don't know. Seems pretentious. (laughs) (laughs) And they make small batch creations that allow them to be extra freaky with their concoctions. On their website, they say working in small batches allows us the flexibility to experiment with foraged ingredients like fresh spruce bud and elderflower. We feature rotating seasonal flavors like these alongside classics as in salted caramel and mint chip. We also serve espresso and affogados, which is espresso poured over ice cream using locally Roasted coffee. Sounds so good. I want to go there. (laughs) Sounds like better than anything in this movie. When I went to pick up the ice cream, it was all really, really nice area, like lovely bar. I mean, there's not liquor there, but uh, as far as I know, but like an ice cream bar was super cool. I would love to take you on a date there when the world is done being in the middle of ending. We usually try to eat keto, but being stuck inside is really demotivated us to look good so we've been eating a lot of uh, shitty food but having sugary nice tasting amaretto ice cream has been quite a treat speaking of being stuck inside stay home you dinkuses (laughs) don't go visit your friends or family don't go out unless you really have to Uh, my mom has been really good for our family. We have a lot of uh, elderly people in our family and she has been the person that goes out and gets groceries for people who can't and throws them into their windows I assume (laughs) So, uh, yeah, if you do have to go outside, especially now, wear a mask, wash your hands, don't touch your face, and we can all get through this together by next year, probably. I don't know. Fingers crossed. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at drink underscore scream, on Facebook at drink and scream, and you can email us at drinkingandscreaming at gmail.com. The best way to help us grow is to tell your friends, tell your family, tell your Twitter followers about us. Share it. Like us. Tell them to listen to this episode because this should be the only way that anybody consumes this movie. (laughs) We're also going to be on two other podcasts coming up. We're going to be on Customers Also Watched, which is a Lady Pod Squad podcast hosted by Erica, who does basically she follows Amazon Prime's watch list. As soon as you watch one movie, they give you a suggestion list at the bottom and then she goes off of that will be featured in one of her upcoming episodes and of course we know you want it no literally none of you have said you wanted it but we're (laughs) assuming you do we're gonna be on rosemary's ladies yay (laughs) which is coming up soon i cannot tell you what we're going to be watching but kelly knows and you love it i can say with great honesty it's entirely better than this movie (laughs) back to the episode Okay, so my first thought is about the character of Nicholas, who has a mental disability. And I'm glad that his character was a representation for people with mental disabilities because he is not a villain, which is like a huge horror trope of like people with mental illness or mental disability are scary. They're scary. They will kill you with a drill. But then it felt like this film was made without any knowledge of people with actual mental disabilities. Yeah. Definitely the actor is not handicapped. It just feels weird. Like the actor portraying Nicholas, Ricardo Gray, I feel like he didn't do enough. Like there's elements of cerebral palsy there, 
with his movements and stuff, but it's so inconsistent. Yeah, you were mentioning that. Like, his way of speaking and hand movements and stuff differed scene to scene. Yeah, and it's just being a lazy actor and, like, bad directing. It all should have been caught. And if you're going to do something like this, A, get an actor who has whatever disability you're portraying. If you, for some reason, can't, which just means you're being a lazy casting director, then do good work as an actor. Yeah. Like actually look into what you are portraying. Yeah. Not everyone can be Walt Jr., who I believe actually has MS. I think his character has. But you can, I feel like if you are going to go out of your way to play this character, which like strangely enough in the movie kind of feels like they're trying to be positive about his character. Yeah. Well, he's a victim but he's a strong character. He's overall well-written. It's just the way they handle his disability that is not great. Yeah, but yeah, I feel like if you're going to represent any type of disability, like go out of your way to A, talk to someone who has it or like get to know someone who has it. Look up how it shows itself and then do that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know enough about cerebral palsy to talk about it at length and like how I would do it as an actor. If I had a job that I had to portray it, I would definitely put a lot of work into it. Yeah. But I do have an aunt who has um, Angelman syndrome, which is a not very well-known mental disability. And it just sucks to see mental handicaps be so badly portrayed on film. And that's like a huge part of my life that in general, like people using the R word or like anything like that, they don't really think about it. And it just comes off so insensitive and you never know who has something in that regard in their family or what, how amazing those people are. Yeah. I mean, like I've literally had zero contact with anybody with mental disability other than like anxiety or ADHD or something like that. Mm-hmm. So what, when did this movie come out? 2006? Yeah. Pascal was definitely dropping the R word in 2006 because I just, I don't know. I didn't know any better. I didn't, I'd never seen anyone be directly offended by me saying that word. So yeah. I was very like naive and ignorant about using it. But like, yeah, don't don't do that. It's this it's the same as using any other slur. Like even if you have never seen someone be offended by it, you are still offending people by saying it. Yeah. He also dropped the uh Remington when he was talking about uh Nicholas at one point. Oh. He he dropped that that good good word for the gay people. Ah. Which I was like, that seems unnecessary to the point where I think none of the people on this production were good people. Yeah. I was going to contact them because they had like a email address on their ancient website. And then I was like, no, I would rather have the freedom to just shit on this movie and everyone involved. And not feel any guilt. Yeah. (laughs) Cause they've, I, I checked their Facebook and they've definitely endorsed some movies that are extraordinarily problematic. So F them, I guess. Dang. Um, I also want to talk about the twist. The twist. Whoa. So we kind of brushed over it, but basically for the whole film, we don't know who the killer is because Nicholas is in his room. Basically, shit starts going down when Remington invites uh, the rapist molester to the house. And um, there's like a slow motion not even slow motion just a long scene of him approaching nicholas's room and nicholas is scared in the room and uh we hear music play that nicholas had been listening to before when he was trying to like escape his uh circumstances with his bunny and then we never see nicholas again 
But we do see the killer in the bunny mask. So both of us were kind of like, is that Nicholas? Like, who? Is, what is happening right now? Yeah. We were like analyzing, well, the skin color of the hands keeps changing because there was like rubber gloves on at one point. And then it like shows a close up of the eyes and you can kind of see the skin around the eyes. And the body shape was entirely different from Nicholas. So we thought maybe it was Nicholas, but they but it played was like a bad body double. Yeah. But then it was his mom. Yeah. Which was honestly probably the best part of this movie was that twist. I was jaw dropped shocked. Because it's almost like the twist at the end of Friday the 13th, where it was also True. the mom. Yeah. So it's like they did something right that another movie did right. But uh, boy, it took a long trek to get there. Yeah. The movie was like an hour and a half and it sure did feel like it. And then they ruined the ending of like when the dad comes back. So then it turns out the homeless man who gave him the bunny at the beginning is the blood father of Nicholas, who the mom like attempted to kill. Yeah, because the dad didn't want a child with mental disability. So it made it almost framed it like he was just going to choke the kid out. And then the mom hits him in the back of the head and then sets fire to him. Which is pretty dope. Yeah. At which point you were like, wait a minute, that homeless man had a whole all goofed up face. That's probably the dad. And then sure enough, the man walks in and he's like, hey, I'm your dad. Let's be a family. Let's clean up them bodies, kiddo. And, the, and then Nicholas is like, OK. <laughs> so like the what? The whole point was that the mom was honeypotting shitty men so that she could kill them for the son. Maybe she really wanted him to be a father, but then he turned she had to test him. I guess. I don't know if they've done this before. It's very unclear. Also, that's a quality mom move. If you like a trust a new partner, but it's hard as a single mom. I know you take what you get. But like to say, hey, I'm going to be gone until five in the morning. You take care of my son on this Easter day and then just fucking spying on them and seeing what he does while he thinks you're not around. That's a that's a quality, strong mom move. I appreciate that. And then just murder them. Then just fucking stab him in the throat (laughs) with the broken glass and watch him choke to death. Yep. And then tell him God will sort shit out. And that was good. I like that. So like the I wouldn't even say the first 10 minutes of this movie is good. Literally the last five minutes of this, the last five minutes minus one minute at the very end. There's a good solid four minutes of all right movie there. Yeah. When she literally pops out, slices his throat and then does the whole monologue about how you suck and you said bad words to my son. And then he's like, if I'm being judged by a higher power, that sucks. I'm fucked. And then he died holding his throat for like an hour and a half. Very poorly. I might add. Cool boy. Okay, my last point is just an Easter story. Nice. Because <laughs> I thought that would be fun. On this, Jesus's rebirth day. <laughs> so my family uh, in Montreal, we do egg hunts every year. I'm the youngest, but even after I grew up and I was aware of the fact that the Easter Bunny and Santa and the Tooth Fairy are all very real, of course. Yes. Yes. Um, <laughs> they are all Christian figures that are looking after good girls and boys. But there's this photo, whenever I think of Easter, I think of this photo from my family and it's of my two siblings, Chelsea and Chris. So it's from an Easter a really long time ago where I'm either I wasn't, I must have like just been born. So I'm a few years old, but I'm not in the photo, but it's of Chelsea holding up two Easter baskets, which I'm assuming one of them is mine. And looking so happy (laughs) and then my brother is on the side of the photo holding up one easter basket and staring at my sister with this like sad look on his (laughs) face 
So that's what I think of whenever I think of Easter. Did he want one of them? Yeah. Okay. Why does she get two and he only gets one? Because little baby Char is too small to hold up her Easter basket. But five-year-old Chris doesn't know. <laughs> um... My Easter's were always dope. My mom was awesome. She would actually set up like a, not really a scavenger hunt, more of like a, a clue hunt. So I would wake up and on my front table in my bedroom would be like a note and maybe like a piece of candy. And then it would be like, to find your first candy, go to the place where candy comes out or something. And it was like... <laughs> Look behind the toilet and then I would find another note and it's like so this is some bear barbecue shit. Yeah. And like each one was a riddle to go find the next clue. Yeah. And depending on where we lived, like when we lived in a really small town of like 500 people, it was literally like go to the playground and I would have to like cross the street, go down a block to the playground where my mom hid like underneath the uh, merry-go-round or the spinny thing that yep. injures hundreds <laughs> of kids a year. Kids. Uh, and I would reach under there and grab it. Um, then it would be like, go to the corner store and give them the answer to this clue. And then I would go to the corner store and tell my grandmother who owned the place, the clue that I had learned. And then she would give me another one. Aww. Uh, and then eventually we moved to like an apartment. So it was literally just places around the apartment yeah. or, uh, down the hall or whatever. But uh, yeah, that was like when I lived with my mom every single year, she would do this and it was incredible and I loved it. Uh, and now we don't do it anymore because I am an adult and live further away. <laughs> I feel like if she lived closer, we would still do it. Yeah. <laughs> I remember specifically, we were living with one of her boyfriends at the time and I got, for some reason, it's one of those memories where you like, you can't picture anything around it. Yeah. But it's just this like one ingrained memory. And it was in the backyard. There was like a, a shoe box and I picked it up out of the yard and I opened it up and there was a Triceratops Transformer. Yeah. And for some reason, that's like the clearest memory of Easter gifts that I could remember is this Triceratops Transformer. And that's it. Nice. I don't remember playing with it after. <laughs> I don't remember what it turned into. I just remembered it was a Triceratops Transformer. I remember the name, the brand name of those like Animorphs. No, they were literally Transformers. Oh, okay. Um, there is like the dinosaur ones. Which, yeah, that's what I'm trying to think uh, of. Because uh, what's his name? Gridlock, I think, who is the T-Rex is part of the it's not this. It's like almost like Decepticons. It's like Transformers that are other things. There are Animorphs, but that's when the young adult teens turn into animals and you get those sweet covers yeah. of young adult novels <laughs> where halfway through they look like a monster. Yes. <laughs> or the aliens that like broccoli because broccoli is from outer space. That's why kids don't like it. I like the ones that you could turn the cover and it would actually move. Oh, yeah. That was that advanced. That was cool. That was way hot shit. I just, I like the, sh I like the shitty ones where a kid turns into a chameleon, but halfway through, he's just got bug eyes. <laughs> All right. It's time for... Da -da -da! Scaredy facts. I was planning on not doing it because I don't think this movie deserves this. But uh, anyways, I'll give you the half-hearted <laughs> explanation of what this section is because it doesn't deserve to be part of our relationship. So every time Char and I watch Easter Bunny Kill, 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 <laughs> we reluctantly go to the IMDb. Don't touch because we we can't stand the, the human connection after a horrible thing like this. Look for... <laughs> A couple trivia facts and then reluctantly record an episode. And welcome to our relationship of social distancing because a movie caused you to do it. <laughs> 
Oof. Yeah, so there's basically no trivia on this. And I worked hard. I tried to find websites. I went on multiple movie trivia sites as well as the actual website for this film. I have like three things for you. Yeah, like I said, I was going to email them, but then I didn't want to. So... That's the end of that story. Scaredy fact number one. Their budget was an estimated 90,000 US. It shows. Their cumulative worldwide gross is unknown. It no. did, didn't even say unknown. It just there was nothing. Nice. It's like nobody wanted to watch it. Not even their grandparents. What a nice segue. Wait, into seriously? Point number two. Which is that the bunny's name that is heavily featured in this film, the best part by far. What a great actor, Rabbit. The bunny's name was Granny. Yay. That's why our dessert is named Granny's Treat. Yes. Yes. That's a better, I called it Granny's Snack, but Granny's Treat is better. Oh. Well, Retcon. Well, now the incons- Sure, this, you know what? Fuck it. This movie probably had bad uh, continuity. So do we. <laughs> And last but not least, the only actual, well, Granny being the bunny's name is a trivia fact. So the second trivia fact I have is that Lynn Lowry and Joseph Pilato were originally cast in the roles of Mindy and Remington. So Joseph Pilato, or I don't know how to say their names. I'm assuming that's right, was um, probably most known for his performance as Captain Rhodes in the 1985 uh, Day of the Dead. Mm. And then Lynn Lowry is best known for the original horror films Shivers and The Crazies. So two like intense horror names were almost in this film. Is The Crazies that movie in like a town and people go crazy? I've seen the, I'm assuming it's the remake, but oh, the, she okay. was in the original. Uh, another trivia fact that I learned because I went to their Facebook page, they did eventually work with Joseph Pilato oh. on one of their later films that I don't even want to name because I don't want to give them any promotion. All right. But it came out in like 2010, I think. So I think their production company might be long disbanded because that was their last post on Facebook. But yeah, they, they got that guy. He also kind of looks like the guy from Twin Peaks who plays the, uh, what's it called? Like roaming psychopath in Twin Peaks that you have not seen yet. Yeah. But for those people that can imagine that face in their nightmares, that's kind of what he looks like. In their nightmares. <laughs> and that's all the scaredy facts I have for you. I got another one for you. <gasps> it's a bad movie. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. Do you have a final thought for it's me? It's a bad movie. <laughs> I don't know. Like, this is one of those things where or, or, normally if I saw a movie like this, I would be like, yeah, this is cool. Like a bunch of friends got together, made a weird horror movie. And like, that's cool. That's fun. Yeah. That's a nice thing to do. Even if it sucks, like who who gives a shit? Like you had fun with your friends, but it was so goddamn problematic that like, yeah, I, you and your friends made a bad movie that sucked and was uh, like unnecessarily unoffensive. So why did you do that? Like they, I don't know. It seemed dumb and I don't, I don't condone making this movie. Yeah. I was going to say that somehow this awful movie was fun to watch because it was just flabbergasting, jaw dropping how terrible it was. But you're so right. Like there are so many better awful movies to watch if you want to watch an awful horror movie. So don't watch this one. (laughs) 
Yeah, like, I don't know, go look on YouTube and say, like, type in independent horror movie or something and support people that just have fun with their friends making dumb slashers, not very offensive movies. It wasn't even fun to watch. I disagree with you. I got so bored. (laughs) I felt I... I was genuinely like, what? A lot of the time of how bad lines were delivered. We kept track of awful lines that were said. Right. Uh, My notebook is there. I wrote down. So the mom. I'll let you read them. When we we mentioned this about uh, Jorge teaching Nicholas bad words, which was the fuck. And in response, the mom said these just great lines. She said, where in Hades did you learn that word? Which great. That's awesome. Hades. And He's then a person, not a place. That's like the people who are so edgy and they're like, I swear to Thor. It's like, just fucking say God. I don't give a shit. <laughs> and then she was like, Bulldink. <laughs> Instead of bullshit. Bulldink. And then um later on, the evil villain Remington is talking to one of the hookers about their current situation, and he says, We're up crap creek. <laughs> Which reminds me, we did not say the very important fact of boobs. There were boobs in this. Quite a lot of boobs. Close up of boobs. Doing cocaine off of nipples. So weird. A lot of sexualness. We were very convinced that they just hired porn stars to play these characters because everybody's acting was bad. But I've watched enough porn in my life. Hi, Kelly's mom. That I kind of like could, I could see the direction that they were used to getting with their line deliveries. Yeah. They were unique to everybody else's that I was like, these two ladies, if not having done porn, have definitely watched a lot of porn in their lives. And that's it. <laughs> that's my that's my contribution to this movie. Well, that's Easter Bunny Kill Kill, a movie about so sorry. I'm, s- I'm sorry, everyone. <laughs> so sorry. Please forgive me. Next week, we'll be watching the Stephen King horror classic, a nice palate cleanser, The Shining. Hell yeah. (laughs) Which is what I said last episode about Easter Bunny. (laughs) (laughs) And remember, always scream responsibly. I'm going to get so up my own ass talking about The Shining. 